sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. How do you, hoop snakes? Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And uh, returning special guest, Mr. Christmas, uh, or Sister Christmas, whatever you want to go by, Michael I Morris. By Mrs. Santa Claus. Mrs. Claus. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to go by Miss, like, you don't need to take his first name, too. That's a little, that's really patriarchal. Maybe, maybe he took mine. Oh, that's true. Your name could be, mm-hmm. your first name could be the Spanish for saint. Um <laughs> And this week, we are doing, Pat, White Christmas versus Black Christmas. Yeah, this was Pat's idea of a thematic episode. Uh, Racism. Yep. And they do have a lot in common. (laughs) Yeah, they they really do. They both have nothing to do with Christmas somehow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they both kind of have some racism. (laughs) Weird way. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that in this one. uh, I have to applaud White Christmas for not being as racist as it could be. <laughs> yeah, they did do a minstrel they, show, a, not in blackface. So that yes, was... there's well, not just a minstrel show, but a song about how they wish they were back in minstrel times, but yeah, not mean, in blackface. So the movie's taking place in the '50s. Like, how far back did you live that you remember minstrel shows? You know. Well, I I mean I think minstrel shows were going into the 20th century, right? Like early 20th. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you know, I haven't seen that movie that Spike Lee did. So I haven't either. Not to, not to jump ahead into minstrel show. I'm sure it's really subtle, it. but <laughs> no, I have not seen it either. Uh, well, so I, I have never. Did, have you guys seen White Christmas before? Michael has. I have not. Uh, I've seen I've seen the movie many many times. Although I didn't start until about I don't know six or seven years ago because I thought it was a war movie. Well, and you know how yeah. the beginning starts in the war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not into this. I'm not going to watch it. And then I saw this and the Broadway musical version, which is like infinitely superior. Um, but it has is, to be. I've I've come to enjoy both of them for different reasons. But the the Broadway version is corny, but the music is great. And on this version, it's got Rosemary Clooney. It does have Rosemary Clooney, but I will say for a musical, a film with this many songs. Aside from White Christmas, these are not good songs. Like, they're not memorable songs. I, I thought this movie was, like, I thought it was set in a cabin. Well, I guess it is a cabin, a, a huge cabin. lodge. I thought it was set in, like, a lo- like a cabin, but it was set in a lodge. And, and, but it was, like, I thought it was set in a cabin in, in the woods with lots of snow where they just sang Christmas. It was just an excuse for people to sing Christmas songs the whole time. So <laughs> I was very disappointed to find out it was, it was almost a war movie. <laughs> I love Danny Kay, so that part I liked about it, but I, I just wanted to hear a bunch of Christmas music. <laughs> See, I Danny Kay is one he's not as bad as Robert Goulet to me, but he is another one that kind of freaks me out a little because he's so show busy. Like it doesn't seem like there's any real person there. Everything's like that weird showbiz smile and he doesn't act yeah. like a real person really, you know what I mean? I think he's funny. He has like he has good uh pratfalls. 
He's he's much has much of better personality than Bing Crosby, that's for sure. What's from an era where men didn't have to have personalities as much as personas? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and the women have to try a little bit harder. But the well, and the women the were like, totally fine in this. I thought it was yeah. The the men were you know whatever. Well, Bing Crosby yeah. millennials. Uh, Danny Kay was some. I don't know if he came out of vaudeville. It seems like he did, but he seems a little too young for that. Um. All I know him from was some like Hans Christian Andersen movie he did that they used to show on TV. Um, what else? What else is he known for? Is he the Secret same guy? Life that... of Walter Mitty was his big movie. I thought. Oh, what, did he have something a, else? Like a variety show back in the fifties or something too? Oh, they all did. That yeah, was, like, I guess so. Or a sitcom. I th- I thought or a sitcom I get... maybe. Yeah, the Danny Kay show. Yeah, I get him mixed up with somebody else all the time. Who um, there was Walter another Bradley? Danny somebody. Danny Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> there was Danny Thomas show and Danny Thomas was also the producer of a bunch of sitcoms like Dick Van Dyke show and he birthed Marlo Thomas. Yes, that's I always get them mixed up. Oh, he was the first um, male birth. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man, he should be known for that. That's so no. much easier to remember. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about that. <laughs> All right, Pat or Michael, do one of you want to give a brief synopsis? I mean, there's not much plot-wise to this movie, so well, there's not. It's all. It's a romance more than anything else, right? Yeah. And yeah, but there's also there is a plot where they're the whole point of the show is to to, to somehow help the their former sergeant who's former general sorry, Pat general. Sorry, it's not I wasn't in the army. Man. I don't I don't know the different ranks. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they said it fifty times in the movie or anything. But go on. <laughs> who? who uh, John, John's pulling ahead. rank on us now. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what to do with the general. <laughs> yeah, well, they, their, they their start reason out being on the show is to to save his lodge. Yeah, it starts out in 1944 during the war where they're putting on a Christmas show, and you know this general is around, and I was like, and then it like jumps to them being like big time entertainers on the club circuit, but I was like, why did they start this in the war at first? I I was like, what was the point of that? That was weird because then they jump ahead like 10 years or something but yeah it ends up well they showed you in the end yeah no i know well weren't you happily surprised (laughs) no i didn't even recognize that general like so they end up through a series of like you said they keep saying his name so you didn't have to recognize him they made it very clear no i know but when he when he came on and they said it uh i was like oh, oh that's him i didn't recognize him but uh yeah 10 years have passed i don't know how you could really recognize someone after 10 years that's true i i never can he took the helmet off um yeah they end up at this lodge with these um two singing sisters uh that the sisters had been booked to play and it turns out it's the general's lodge and he's like deep in debt from buying this place and so they're gonna put on a christmas show to help him save the lodge i mean that's the basic plot right and the two sisters their brother is alfalfa he is. Is that the real yeah. alfalfa? Yeah, the picture. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. the 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 thing that's like most like unrealistic to well, not that we're <laughs> worried about realism in this movie, but the fact that this show that they put on isn't it requires people to come from miles and miles and states surrounding them to see it. And on Christmas it, Eve. On Christmas Eve. And they actually have a moment where they talk to the train conductor about like making sure that 
he's ready for all the trains that'll be coming in <laughs> and as if they could affect that in some way and the whole thing i guess i don't understand the geography of how close new york is to vermont and how long it would take to travel between the two a long time i mean the whole thing like the so the show starts with like the fakest world war ii set you've ever seen mm-hmm. And the fakest World War II um, uh, sort of uh, looking soldiers, which, of course, none of them die because they're all at the end. So no one dies in this war at all. And then that's, no, no, that's that America. Said, Come on. They're I, Americans, Michael. Americans I find this movie. <laughs> I find this movie super charming and I love to watch it. Although I'm just calling out the, the things that bother me about it. So I'd like they, it a lot more if it were a Christmas movie. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> when they cut ahead 10 years and we meet the two sisters and Bing and Danny Kaye agree to help them escape by doing the sister's number to distract people. You know, they have this number they do um, called sisters and they, you know, they dance with fans and then the girls have to escape um, the police for some rent issue, whatever, they're criminals. And... <laughs> Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby pick up the fans and they put bows on and they roll up their pant legs and they lip sync a somehow previously recorded song that we just heard five or ten minutes earlier. <laughs> and it's so, like, I know that it's the time, right? Oh, you and, know people were roaring in the aisles when that right. first came out. And you're watching it now and you're like, what in the fuck was anybody thinking in 1954? Right. That would, like, not be funny now. You know, like, it would be so corny. And it would... Right, it's, and it's not. I agree. It's almost... It's borderline homophobic, in my opinion, or, or women-phobic, in that, like, they think that they can just roll up their pant legs and be as, you know, women and just lip-sync a song that they've heard once. Right. If they've yeah. even heard the whole thing. <laughs> that, I think that was the most outrageous thing. They heard this song once, and they're instantly able to lip sync it. But I had they are read professional this, musicians. So I had read about this scene before that it was something Danny Kay had had just done as on a lark, and the director thought it was funny, so they stuck it into the movie. Oh. And when I read that, I expected it to be much worse. So my expectations were, were lower. I thought they'd be like in all, all made up and they just had like a little bit of stuff on. So it wasn't really as, as offensive as it could have been. Well, I was just thinking in during that scene, I was just like, why is this happening? There is no need for this. And this, this doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Well, that's why it was, that's how it got in there. Right, it's it's that stench of like fifties, like um, oh, let's let's keep this in because Danny thinks it's funny, and you know he he's there. Look, they're carrying feathers, aren't they? Just like women, and it's and then there's this scene where, just before that, that bugs me. This is minor, but it happens in the Broadway show too, where they change clothes, like Bing and Danny Kay, like go. This is before they even see the sisters, but they're changing clothes, and we watch Bing Crosby take his pants off and put on a different pair of pants. And it's such a – the reason that I notice it and it's important is because it's such a sexless moment where we're watching a major star change his pants, and he's got on, like, gigantic cotton boxer shorts, like something that, like, a basketball player would wear as outerwear now. And – He's supposed to be the romantic lead, you know, and um, Rosemary Clooney, they established, is in her 20s. 
Right, and he's got to he be is, 40 if right. he's a day. He's, I think he's, um, in real life, he's almost 50 when they, when they film this. And it's just, it's one of those weird mid-century things where like, you know, oh, the pretty girl and is, has to be a certain way. And the guy can be any ugly old, um, monster who has a, a name or a reputation. And that's what the movie feels like to me after that. Well, thank God. Well, that's at least all that's changed. changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, Bing, Bing Cross. I mean, he's just like an avuncular type presence. Yeah, he. You don't get sex appeal off him at all. Although he was, you know, I mean, back in the day, he was like the teen heartthrob. I mean, he's got beautiful eyes. I guess. Did you guys ever? <laughs> Did you guys ever go to one of his restaurants? What? Yeah, no. restaurants. Yeah, well, when we first moved here in 99 or 2000, um, there was a, cro- like, I can't remember if it was called Bing's or Crosby's, <laughs> but it was in Walnut Creek, I believe. And it was like, Bing Crosby has a restaurant chain? <laughs> and I, I don't, I've never researched it and never thought about it until this very moment, so I don't know much about it. But I remember that he had something, and he died around that time, I think. Oh, I should really look it up before I keep talking. Well, maybe somebody was just trying to oh, cash yeah. in on that famous, famous Bing Crosby name in 2000. He died, like, in the 70s. He died Oh, he before. did? Yeah. Well, did... Oh, yeah, because David Bowie didn't record with him, right? No, he did. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was that 79. Was... So he must have died late he 70. Died in 70. He died in 77. Oh, it was yes, 77. That's what I meant. The restaurant was called Bing Crosby's restaurant restaurant and piano bar in walnut creek and they were in walnut creek and why it was like it the... in walnut creek for it, for our listeners who don't know walnut creek it's it's nowheresville daddy-o it's just like a little it's like rich, rich white person white suburb yeah, yeah. it looks like it's if... it's closed it's closed relatively recently like maybe in the past five years uh the Article I'm looking at says 2004. Oh no, opened in 2004. And How can it open in 2004? That is weird. 2011. Well, they should have um, changed its name to uh, Tasha Yar's. Oh restaurant. no, wait, have... guys, this is a different Bing Crosby. <laughs> this is named after a different Bing Crosby. Oh, it is. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make sense, though, wouldn't it? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, yeah, I, well, what did you guys think of the music? I was really disappointed. Like, for an Irving Berlin musical, I just thought the songs, I was like, these are not memorable. I would not. Well, I would, like say, these would I like stick that, in my I, head. I like that snow song. That's stuck in my head. Uh-huh. Nope. I would say, it. The, it, the, I know you guys will never go see a Broadway show um, that's, that's this corny, but I will say that I never. I'm really, Never mind then. <laughs> when when it comes to your area, go see it. It's actually like seeing it performed by like maybe more modern performance standards. The music's fantastic, and it's a lot of the same stuff. It, like that snow song is in there, and um, that one that Mary, uh, not Mary, um, Rosemary Clooney sings when she's in the nightclub. It's like love you didn't do right by me. Like those songs are fantastic when you hear them sung by somebody more modern. Um, but when you hear like the the well, the nice movie slam doesn't on really Rosemary Clooney, dude, Jesus. 
Well, she's good too. But like when you hear it in more like the way we're used to hearing these kinds of songs now, yeah, they're actually really good. But I don't think they're like amazingly staged or particularly well set up in the um, in the movie. I think they're kind of like set for these you know aged singers to do, and maybe you know not have any one person be the standout. But when you see them on a Broadway stage where everybody has to be an ensemble and everybody has to be equally good, like there are some fin- like some of the same numbers are like fantastic. There's a there's a Broadway cast recording that is really good of all of this, and um, I used to listen to it every Christmas until I just forgot about it. Well, I think that's true of every Broadway musical to film, right? Or even the reverse, which I guess is, was the case here. Like the film musicals nothing compared to the broadway musical generally yep that's true that's true this this doesn't even feel like a musical to me this feel this movie feels like a i don't know like a a, a lie does special. it feel like a lie <laughs> feels like a yeah a hurtful lie that's what it feels like <laughs> well I, I was like well first of all i don't think i've ever seen rosemary clooney young before like thin (laughs) and thin like when we knew her she was on you know i don't know what she she was on variety shows or whatever when we were growing up even her in her 20s she seemed like she was in her 70s somehow yeah yes a little bit and so that's why the the relationship between her and bing crosby wasn't quite as jarring as it would have been but the other woman vera ellen who i've never heard of in my life and it's vera hyphenate did ellen just like uh Oh my God! What's what's Anne Margaret? I'm like, do, yeah. do you people not have last names? But <laughs> well, she's a dancer. Yeah, uh, she looked she looked young and also too young for Danny Kaye. I should point out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Way to judge, John. But not quite as jarring. But yeah, she was really good. I don't know what her her real deal is. Um, but you know, like I remember. Do you guys remember when Rosemary Clooney was on like ER because? Her nephew George was on that show, and I, she was like she some was. crazy woman or something who came in, but then she got to sing a song, and everybody loved her, of course. <laughs> I only remember her from like late night programs. Yeah. Like she would go on like um, Carson, uh, Carson, or um, the, and I was, or she used to go on like Rosie or something before she died, and I never knew she was the same person. Oh yeah, you or, you wouldn't looking at I mean, like she, her younger self and what we knew of her, you wouldn't even recognize her. She was huge at the end, and she she talked like she smoked like a carton a day, which she probably <laughs> did. Yeah, I mean she probably did, of course. But, but also, she was oh, oh sorry, go it was ahead. rough at the end. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I was just commenting on how how difficult it was to listen to her talk because you could tell she couldn't breathe, and yet you know? she could still like belt out songs. Yeah, weirdly, um, she died of she died of lung cancer. So this is all oh. coming together. Uh, it was, another thing that was weird to me was also that, only ten years difference between Vera Ellen and Danny Kay. Oh, okay. Well, ah. he's mm-hmm. another one that looks like he doesn't look yeah, young. He, looks he never looked yeah. young. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Another weird thing. I mean, it's obviously it's a goofy movie musical, but like when they're at the lodge and they're like rehearsing for this big show, their sets are like lavish Broadway sets in this tiny lodge. I I was well, like. That was the point, right? They got their sets mm-hmm. from their traveling show and brought them to, to the lot. Yes, but Jesus. I don't know if you guys read any of the trivia about this. I've actually seen I read like, it all. I, I find it all fascinating. 
there's a whole TCM documentary about White Christmas that's that's fantastic. Like the Queen of England was touring the United States and wait, I've read Greece. Go ahead, sorry. I I feel like I've read that it was the I've read the Queen. I don't remember if it was Greece or um uh, uh, uh Queen of England. I wait, thought the it was Queen, the Queen of England. The Queen of England was touring the States and saw a production of Greece? Is that what exactly. we're talking about? Well, they used Greece on her. To get her when through were, the door? She, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she and Rosemary Clooney were fighting over some fried chicken. And um they the they, they did the they did the whole number the whole big finale number twice and they did it specifically for whichever queen was there without the cameras on. Because right. they didn't oh, I've, I've read that they had the cameras running, but there's no film in there oh, to make can... her think it was but I also read that Bing Crosby wasn't there because he went to play golf. <laughs> Everyone else in the cast was there, but put him. Fuck the Queen of England. And the the part I really love, especially about Vera Ellen, is um, there's there's a lot written about how she was a bulimic, I think. And so she's, I mean, she's got an amazing figure, and she is an amazing dancer when you really watch what she's doing. And she was a bulimic, so she, her throat was scarred. And they cover her throat in every single scene, like to a ridiculous degree. Like there's a there's a scene where they're in nightgowns and even Rosemary Clooney is in like a less conservative nightgown. And Vera Ellens is up to her chin. And it's all because they're covering the scarring from her bulimia. Well, I, ooh, I guess that explains why we don't know more of Vera Ellen. Probably couldn't get a lot of roles, but it scarred the outside of her neck. That's weird. Yeah, I don't quite understand like what they were hiding, but she was also like I think a Broadway dancer, and not so much a movie star. I don't think she went on and did anything. I mean, she's dubbed in this movie, obviously. She was a Patty Lupone, basically. You know, a Patty Lupone. Yeah, she did. You know, Patty Lupone did like Life Goes On, but then that was it. She's like all Broadway. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Although she's she's remained a cultural touchpoint of incredible importance to persons like me. She's been in Will and Grace. She was on. Did you guys ever watch that show with those those monster people? She was in that. She the was in abortion. Thirty something. No, um, it was uh, on Showtime. It was um, it was like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but it was something else. God, that. what the fuck was that called? Penny Dreadful. Oh. oh, yeah, I heard that was good. I think she was it as a recommendation. Yeah, she's good on that. Another piece of trivia from this this movie I thought was interesting regarding Vera Ellen is that originally, well, originally it was going to be Fred Astaire. When Fred Astaire retired from acting or whatever, the Donald or Daniel O'Connor, what's his name? Donald okay? O'Connor. No, Donald O'Connor was Who's supposed that? to be in the, he's another actor from the time, and he had, he had worked with Vera Ellen before, and he was supposed to be in the Danny Kaye role. Uh, and they had a lot of the dance performances they had written specifically for O'Connor and Vera Ellen because they had been in something together before. So they were dance partners in a previous movie. He but was he like, had to I drop can't out. deal with that neck. He, he had to drop <laughs> out for whatever reason. And there wasn't enough time for Danny Kaye to learn the dance moves. So that's why Vera Ellen is in like three or four dance like things with another another person who's not really mentioned in the movie at all. Oh, interesting. Because I thought Danny Kaye did fine when in the dancing that he did do. Right, but he wasn't in the the more intricate ones. And the guy who danced with her ended up being in West Side Story, I think. Like, he was a star of West Side Story. Oh, Natalie Wood. Yes. John Brescia was her, or I'm sorry, his his transition name. Got it. Um, (laughs) What, yeah, what else? I I don't, well, this movie was kind of long, too. 
It was very oh, long. I think I, it was when I, nine hours. Saw so, so as a musical, I thought it'd be like like ninety minutes. It was an hour or two hours long. It's so long, and it's it's one of those movies where, like, when I think of it, I think of that first scene because it's the first movie filmed in Technicolor, I think. Vista Vision. Yeah, Vista and the, the red is like it burns your eyes. It's so bright and so rich, and the the red at the end when they're wearing. Um, red Santa suits and they have like a blue backdrop. Like that's so iconic. Like there's, there's some amazing moments in this um, visual moments in this movie that they recreate even on stage. Like they do the whole, like, Oh, let's open the barn doors. And suddenly it's snowing and not just snowing, but there's a horse and drawn carriage being pulled through the snow and the snow's pretty deep and the flakes are gigantic. And it just started. And they do that on the Broadway show too, like it snows in the theater, like, like, uh, like, on stage and in the audience. That's why you should go see it. Is it like cornflakes or something? Is, can you eat it? It's like the kind of it literally melts on you. I think it's literally ice chips or something. Pass. <laughs> not, not like sh- <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if you've ever lived anywhere where it snowed, Michael, but the. Horse-drawn yes. carriages do come out immediately. They're just like waiting in the wings, waiting in the shadows. <laughs> and it's the fifties. I mean, they had cars then. Nobody was riding around on a sled. Presumably, did we even see any cars in this movie? <laughs> did we? That's there a was a train. Him. Yeah, we saw Jeep. Yeah, we saw him in oh, the Jeep all over the place. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're right. Yep. Somehow he's. That, I mean, I think that's why he got kicked out of the army. He stole a Jeep when he became a retired general and brought it to his his lodge. That's true. There's there's something that always strikes me about like these kind of movies from this era where like they're they're so what's Doris Dayish? I don't even know how to say it. Like they're so not prudish, but like uh, when they're doing the big final number, which is like this big corny ass thing, right? And it's all these adults are just like overjoyed at it. And I'm like you're sexual beings. You're not children. This it's weird right. to get this excited about something so kind of stead and conservative. I guess is is my thing. But that's just I mean that's just how the movies were. But it always strikes me like you're adults. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like the super corny. Adults can have no joy. <laughs> but it's just like such corny like kids type stuff that they get. I guess you hated Alf. <laughs> Alf? No, I loved Alf. Alf. Especially well, Willie, the guy who Alf played Willie. Yeah, yeah Alf, Alf and Alf are the same thing. <laughs> no, but that you that's different. Like Elf is more modern in its sensibility. Um it's just the like the entertainment back then. It was it was very like a little too wholesome where I'm like did people really enjoy like that level of wholesomeness back then? You know you're it was, it's weird it's, to me. It's Hollywood whitewashed. I don't think that it was really that way. Like right. in the real world. Like I think that most people would probably say like it was never like that. Except if you were going to the movies. I mean like the, they've said that the 1940s. Um, I've read recently that the 1940s didn't really exist at all the way that we see it on film. Like that it was totally created by people like Frank Capra and um, other like sort of iconic 40s directors who were like showing us the world that they wanted us to see 
and it became the standard of what we think it it, it was. Right, and but it wasn't like that at all. That's more what I'm saying. It's like it's a big disconnect for me where it it takes me out a little bit just because I know adults don't aren't that way. I guess is what it is, um, which is why I, mean, I liked... don't don't give each other like um, gigantic ceramic horses for Christmas. <laughs> well, I'm not going that far. I mean. <laughs> I wish he'd just broken it. <laughs> and it was just in the tree, right? Or was it well, in the he, sack? She put it in the sack right before he ran out. And it was and heavy. It was like, why would you want that? Where did you get that? <laughs> that was my question. In her time where she quit that one show, got back to Vermont, when did she have time to buy that monstrosity? Right. <laughs> she had it shipped, dude. Well, I guess Jeep. so. Amazon... Was she ever looking at it thinking like, maybe this guy's too old for me. Like, I don't know if I want this. I have to give up my career because it's the 50s. If I marry this guy, I have to have kids with him. Like that's that's That would have been her choice. And that's where they well, end up. They're in entertainment, so she could stay in entertainment. That, that Those rules didn't apply to entertainment. Oh, yeah. They had abortions all the time. But look at what happened with... Um, uh, when when Vera Ellen and Danny Kay talk about how they're going to get married because they're trying to you know trick the others into getting together, like right. immediately Which the in act the, has in to the break most up. bizarre way possible. But yeah, right. <laughs> the act has to break up immediately because one of them is going to get married. Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. Like the, the it's it's one of those. This is one of those movies, like many others, where there are painful references that. Just they didn't think about how, and it happens with Black Christmas too, where they didn't think about like maybe this won't make sense in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't think about maybe this doesn't make sense now. <laughs> Who knows? Let's go to something I liked about it. It seems like we've been pretty negative. Well, I'm not I really, really like... trying to shit on it. I, I think it was fine. Know. It was just it's. I I, I really like the housekeeper. She cracked me up almost every scene. I, I my, oh, my the, favorite line of the... the chicken woman. She's been in a bunch of stuff, right? Mary yeah, Wicks. she's one of those character actors you see in everything. I love her favorite, in everything I've ever seen her in. My favorite line was, it used to be a gristmill in a barn, now it's a Tyrolean haunted house. <laughs> she's um, She is in a ton of shit over her career. She had a very long career. Yeah. And she was in, remember when we did... Um, um, the man who came to dinner, like if I don't, know, I think that was maybe last year or the year before, and it was the Betty Davis and Monty Woolley movie. Anyway, she plays a nurse in that movie, and she's wonderful. She turns up in movies the way that Thelma Ritter does in old movies. You don't know who I'm talking about at all. Oh, I know do you? Who Thelma Ritter is. Yeah, um, I think yeah. if I saw her face, I would know, but no, not when you just say the name. She's in All About Eve. Um, she's in a lot of stuff. Poor and when piece. you see her, you're like, oh, I get what she is. Oh, she's yeah. Like, yeah, I see her. She's a shorthand <laughs> for that harried. Mary Wicks is the shorthand for that harried, sort of goofy, um, like, uh, not sexless woman. You know, whereas Thelma Ritter is like the the the, the smart ass. Yes. Uh, secondary person with no sex appeal whatsoever. And um, I love Mary Wicks though, because she's she's so. Um, uh, it's a character actress we don't have anymore. Somebody like that, like yeah. maybe what, Kristen Schaal. What what I liked, I mean, she was she is mostly sexless, but I did like the scene where she was kissing Ben Crosby, and he was into it. I thought that was fun, more fun than the, Wait, the alternative. There's what? a scene where 
she was so she, happy that they were going to save the the hotel, the lodge that she kissed both Danny Kay and Bing Crosby. You don't remember that? And when she, she kisses Danny Kay and Danny Kay's, uh, and then she goes to Bing, Bing Crosby and Bing Crosby starts to kiss her more and Danny Kay's like, we have to go. I thought that was a very, like, it wasn't the normal humor they'd have in that scene. So I like that. I've never noticed that scene. <laughs> wow. Are you making this up? No, that no. totally stuck oh. out to me too. <laughs> Oh my god, I saw this, the Broadway version I saw re- most recently, which I've seen many times, actually. Um, Lorna Luft was playing that role, who is Judy Garland's daughter. And I didn't know it was her. And she plays it like Mrs. Garrett from um, Facts <laughs> of Life. Just like shrill and shouting loud. Tootie! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> Well, no. eavesdropper. Wait, what is this actor's actress's name? Because she's not on the. Um, it's Mary Wicks. That's this is Wicks. her. Yeah, yeah she's. Mary Wicks, I love her. W-I-C-K-E-S. She's. Yes. She's, like, it's just more proof that like character actors are. She was. I think she's sister act. Oh, there she yes, is, she Mary was. Wicks. Yes, she, she was in. She was in both sister acts. She was. Yeah, like you said, her her IMDb page is like seventy five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Gigs long. <laughs> Is that a, la- a me- unit of measurement now? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever... Sorry, this is like totally... I was just thinking of character actors, but one of the best stories... you ever hear Patton Oswalt's thing where he was at the uh, at the craft service table with Brian Dennehy? <laughs> I love no. that because they were on something and, and like he was like, none of these fucking people were eating. They're all like, you know, so totally built and slim and whatever all the other actors and um Patton oswald was feeling guilty about going to the craft services and brian denny was there like scooping up food and brian denny goes character actors nobody gives a fuck if we're fat that was, <laughs> that was an awesome That's story. so true though <laughs> <laughs> anyway white christmas we i i don't know that i would recommend it to millennials I don't know why you're obsessed with millennials. Because <laughs> for some reason, millennials listen to us, and they always tell me they don't get our references. They do? Uh, Who? What millennial do you know? Dude. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I, I know. That. What the hell? Um, basically, you everybody like, we work with. <laughs> you mean people still listen to the show? Yeah, and It's dude. not just something you don't even bother to record? <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Maybe we were just doing this for Pat's benefit. We don't bother to record a lot of times, but yeah, people still weirdly listen. I never hear anybody talk about it, so I wasn't sure. But um, yeah, I Thanks. think that millennials, as long as you can remember, like I think millennials are smart. I mean, they're the greatest, and I think that they're the greatest they generation. Remember that this was like just a product of a different time, and you can't really hold it up to the mirror of what things are like now. I mean, we've learned a lot since this movie came out, and you have you you have to look at it as a product of its time. It's not fair that there's like no people of color in this movie at all. There's and, one in the in the train, but that's it. Doesn't even oh, get right. a line. Right, he's uh he's like the steward in the train or something, right? The bartender in the in the club the club room or whatever. And the, yeah, it's not great with how it treats women and the men. It's the worst kind of patriarchal drivel, but it's also super charming and nostalgic for something that none of us experienced either. That's um, yeah, no, that's. But when we were growing up, it was as Pat and I have talked about before. Like, 
on Sundays. It was just like all old movies on TV that we would watch. Yeah. Um, so we're, I think we're more versed in like this era of film than millennials say. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Watch it. I don't give a shit, actually. I'd rather see this than like the set the '90s movie this that millennials like think are so funny. Like I, I can't take another person telling me how like Troop Beverly Hills is funny. Oh my god! Or um or like uh the, the all Sandlot. Well, I Sandlot. love the Sandlot. Oh my god! I've never god. seen it. I had, I just had some guy like berate me for never seeing it one time. I get why they think it's funny because that was where their sense of humor formed. But like those things are so like like white bread and mayonnaise and boring compared to like some of the really terrible shit. from. (laughs) That is true. I've heard (laughs) weird things from millennials, like movies they consider great are like the craft, which has to be just like, I don't know. Even, even if you're a teenager, I thought that movie was terrible, but I I think there might be a group of millennials that are pulling your leg. Possibly. Well, I had another one tell me that like her and all her friends, including the men, uh, one of their favorite movies was The Notebook. Oh God! So, yeah, I yeah. Don't. This is this is. I, I'm not judging the millennials based on these these crazy people who are talking to you about the craft in The Notebook. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's... well, the craft isn't that bad. Isn't I like it? the craft. It's just not. It's not like a classic. Right. No, well, I mean, exactly. I've never seen it, but I just I don't believe that people think that's the best film ever made. I don't care what they tell John. It's Nev Campbell. There's no way Nev Campbell could be in anything that's the best film ever made. That's true. <laughs> I mean, and you know, when you think about it, we thought, you know, Revenge of the Nerds and Sixteen Candles were cool, and they I did decidedly not. Like not. of those movies when I was a kid. So. I have never liked any of those movies. Ugh, Better off dead is what I loved. Well, I love Better Off Dead too, but I thought Sixteen Candles. I loved movie. Sixteen Candles at the time. Nope. Straight people Fuck bore you. me, and I don't want to see movies about their lives. <laughs> Racist. Well, let's <laughs> let's uh, take a quick break, and then we will go to Black Christmas, uh, and we'll discuss the similarities. We'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's great racing, steeplechasing. We're black. We're black. <laughs> We're black with Bat Christmas. Black with Bat Christmas. <laughs> black Christmas, not a reference to race. Uh, no. It's a 1974 slasher, proto-slasher. I don't know. Interestingly, this, this movie and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out the same year, 74, which, I mean, I think they kind of set the template for the all the terrible slasher movies to come. All yeah, the... I've never, I've, I've, I thought this was after all that, and not before seeing it. But then, like, like you say, it came first. This is the template that I mean. The, uh, Carpenter loved this movie. He based 
basically wanted to make a sequel to this when he did Halloween, but instead he did his own thing. Which Halloween is also good, but then after that you get into the, yeah, it starts getting really bad. Um, Directed by Bob Clark, which shocks me. More famous for uh, Christmas Story now and Porky's then. Yeah, I mean, he did Christmas Story, but as you said, also Porky's, so it's kind of a, I don't know, he's... He seems more like a one of those directors for hire types. Like, well, he no, he wrote Porky. Like, Porky's was based on like his life, and he's he, Porky. He, he, yeah, he's <laughs> I never saw Porky. Porky's. <laughs> I've never seen Porky, so I don't know. <laughs> and he co-wrote Christmas Story with Gene Shepard. So he, I don't think of him as much as a, a director for hire as just a a guy who make makes things that are slightly exploitive. Yeah, well, I mean, Christmas Story is the one that kind of stands out because although it was a low budget movie like i saw it in the theater it wasn't a big deal at the time um you saw, I, I didn't i i'm surprised you saw it in the theater i i didn't know it was in the theater oh yeah we i'm we used to quote it so i was like 14 when that came out we used to quote it all the time not a finger we you know how kids are they're stupid and always quote Wait, things which movie a christmas story Where's what's not a finger in that? I don't remember that. Yeah. Like the uh the dad when I think the furnace is like going crazy and he just can't think to to speak uh, articulately and he just blurts out not a finger. We thought that was one of the funniest things ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also saw Porky's in the theater. This is bizarre because I was 11 years old. My mom drove me and some friends to go see Porky's at the movie theater when I was 11. So that was the 80s, everybody. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny if you think about Porky's now, and you think about like that that poster with the uh, you know the the, the eye hole, looking, yeah, the glory hole. I feel like that would mean something totally different now. <laughs> you know, like you'd never just think, oh, I'm here's a hole. I'm just gonna look through it. <laughs> you know? It was a more innocent time. Wasn't there a scene in this movie? Where there was just an eye look, a guy, an eyeball looking through a hole. Yeah, I think so. so. He loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, you mean thing. in Black Christmas? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah Black Christmas so, about... Wait, be, before we get into the plot, can I read a piece of trivia that is almost certainly not true on the IMDb? Those are my makes, favorite kind of trivia. Laugh. Yes. At the San Francisco Slasher Con of 2005, 2005 <laughs> known by diehard fans as the great mystery of Slash Con 05, director Bob Clark stated, it was a brave and revolutionary move to leave the killer's ambiguity with ambiguity ah, ambiguous all my idea too it forced the audience to think deeply and question the rules of the film that were still in place in 1974 we were the first and only ones to challenge them and that's why black krimpus popular fan nickname lost over one million at the, at the box office americans are stupid and don't know what's good for them the statement sends shockwaves to the industry and will result in, in induction of black christmas into the smithsonian preservation vault for a historically important film the resulting resurgence in sales made over 50 million 59 million dollars with all of which was Pocketed illegally by Clark. He died in 2016, a multi-billionaire. He died in 2007. I don't think he was a multi-billionaire. <laughs> I don't think anyone calls this movie Black Crip, Crip, Crimpus. No. And and I'm not even sure about the Smithsonian Preservation Vault, but I really like this piece of trivia. Although I did read, I've been reading this book about, I have this book I read about Christmas movies every year, and it does say that this was the second grossest, highest grossing movie to be produced in Canada. Well, that's <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> and the first like grossing one is one you've documentary. never heard of. <laughs> um, Which goes against it losing a million dollars in that 
that awful piece of trivia. And then he, po- yeah. I, I love the part where he pocketed all 59 million illegally, yeah. and became a multi billionaire based on that 59 million. Yeah, there aren't accountants involved in that kind of thing or anything. So, <laughs> so, so never, never trust IMDb trivia. But then he anyway, went on back- to have such a big career. So he must have, you know, he must have done well with that 59 well, this, million. This was after his career was over, it was in the 2000s. Well, uh-huh. I think this is not trivia. I think it's an actual fact, but I think he remade Black Christmas in 2006. I think he produced it, yeah. He pro- oh, okay, he just produced yeah, which is seems pointless, and I never even heard of the remake until I was like reading about this movie, but um, I don't know. Uh, synopsis. I don't understand this movie at all. I don't know Honestly, what, I don't know what happened movie. at the end, honestly. I know so many like, well, I think that's fans. on purpose say that they love this movie and that it's like their favorite Christmas movie like I think John Waters even loves this movie and well I could see that I I guess I can see it but I also I don't understand what happened in the movie I don't really either so wait what's not to understand well we'll get to it well it's part of part of what it suffers from for me is you know like how um in the world of let me be a nerd about it in the world of comics or sci-fi movies or whatever like before watchmen was was released like it there was it was all crap and then watchmen comes along and then everything that comes after watchmen is so much like watchmen or and so inspired by watchmen so it's also crap well <laughs> you you don't necessarily get why watchmen was important or, you know, the Dark Knight Returns. Right, I see what or, you're saying. Like Star Wars, you know, like, until you really take a look at what it was like before Star Wars, you may not get why Star Wars is important. Because everything that came after that is ripping it off or and building on, on it. it. Yeah. And well, I think that's the case with Black Christmas. I think that it was so different, but we don't see it now because we didn't know what it was like in context. Right, there's a meme for that. It's called the Seinfeld Isn't Funny meme, where, I mean, it's basically the same thing. People who grew up watching everything that came after are like what's the big deal about that i've seen it all before right yeah yeah right i did not know about that meme i did enjoy i mean i don't usually like these kind of movies but i like that this movie held together better than most of these kind of movies like the plot worked better and the acting was better the acting was good i will say well i i agree you got andrea martin you got Margot Kidder. Well, well, let's do a brief synopsis. And you got John Saxon, who is another character actor I always like to see. I don't know what else he's been in, but I always I, recognize him. I believe he was the father in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Really? I've never seen that. He was in Enter the Dragon. I guess that's why I know him from. Um, who wants to do a synopsis? Not me. He was in 1950 Star is Born. <laughs> wow. I love that movie. I've never seen it. It was Judy Garland? I've never seen any of the stars borns, including oh the ones. The best one is the Judy Garland one. Michael forgets we're straight, so uh, is the okay. Judy Garland one forget. the first? Is that the first one, or is that the the second one? I think the Judy Garland is the first, and then there was Barbara okay. Streisand, and then there was Lady Gaga. Have there been any others? Do you both identify as straight? Like, if somebody said, "Are you two straight guys?" Would you say yes? I yeah, I would. I mean. I've always gotten along better with women and gay dudes than other guys mm-hmm. for the most part. It's mm-hmm. just the whole uh, sucking cock thing I can't really yeah. get into. Yeah, how about you, Pat? Yeah, I'd say straight. Oh. That's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I, I feel like I have to bring that up like once every uh, 
episode that I'm on um, <laughs> because of the date from a long time. Anyway, um, synopsis. Um, the uh, Judy Garland is amazing, number one, and that movie is way better than the Lady Gaga one, and I haven't seen it, so that's how I know. Um, the movie Black Christmas is about Margot Kidder, and she's having a, it's a bunch of sorority sisters, and um, they're just having a party, I guess. And somebody starts calling, leaving creepy messages, and somebody disappears because they are killed by a, pl- a dry cleaning bag. Yeah. Um, and then the next day, everybody's like, where'd she go? And the Margot Kidder is drunk and who's got a couple of funny mean lines. And they go to the police and the police are like, we don't believe you. She's um, probably whatever. off with her side piece somewhere. Right? Yeah. And um, then they reveal that the um, other women start getting killed, including the house mother and Margot Kidder. And they reveal that the the British lady, whose name I don't remember, who becomes the main character. <laughs> who I thought yes. Margot Kidder was going to be the main character when it first started. I did mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I was surprised that it was the, hello, hello, right. <laughs> became the main like, character. Like, and she basically just spends the whole f- the whole movie answering the phone. <laughs> yeah, that's her job. <laughs> like, like, who would listen? To Isma? Like, the, the killer calls, calls her and he, like, says creepy shit. And, like, they listen. And I'm like, nobody has ever done that. Nobody has ever listened. They always hang up. Not for that long, yeah. No, I mean, they listen like, I mean, the guy gets a full two or three minute soliloquy before they, they finally hang up and it's always threatening or it starts out weird and then it gets worse and I don't know what they're expecting. But anyway, the police don't believe them. Then the police do believe them and the they tap the phone line to see where the calls are coming from. Meanwhile, people are disappearing and I kind of lose it at that point. Like, I'm not sure what happens after that. Like, everybody dies. They find out that the killer is inside the house, which I think is the twist that they are the pioneers of. Well, I think it was like an urban legend before that, and they kind of based it uh, on that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, as far as movies go. Uh, but I think I also, think that... I mean, the, maybe the one of the first movies to do that, but also first to that you're seeing through the killer's eyes. Yeah, it's POV from the killers. You are? Yeah, every time uh, he's killing somebody, it's from the killer's point of view. Oh, oh yeah, I guess. Well, there's that one where he kills Margot Kidder, and you see him. Yeah. And he's... you're like, who's... Like, they, they lead you to believe that it's the... Well, that, the British okay, this is where girl's boyfriend. British girl's boyfriend, who she is pregnant with his baby. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And then, but at the end... Yeah, it's not him. It's he was not... still in the house. She ends up, he comes into the house to help her and she's afraid of him. She thinks it's him. She kills him, but she's right. alive. Right. And then the police leave her in bed at this house where all the people, <laughs> all the murders. Killed. Yeah. <laughs> which, which made a lot of sense. Right. And she, and they leave her and then the, the murderer is still in the attic. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he was coming down the attic and they leave it kind of either. He killed her or didn't, but we don't know which, but, but so the phone then, is ringing. So, yeah, so see, he's calling. The phone is ringing, but I didn't. I didn't remember the phone ringing. I read that on IMD or on. Uh, yeah, the on, phone rings oh, yeah, all ringing. over the end credits. Yeah, but oh, I must have turned it off before. Sir, so is the person who's here's uh, it's a confusing thing to me. So the person who's doing the obscene phone calls is the killer 
or yes. is not. Yes. Yeah, I think the they are. And the you, first... You... Okay, so the first obscene phone call they get is just an obscene phone call where he's being real vulgar about what he wants to do to them yeah. sexually. But then the phone calls get increasingly fucking bizarre, like referencing the the uh, British chick's uh, planned abortion and stuff with even like baby sound effects and stuff. Right. And, and also even creepier because you can only understand about half of what he's fucking saying on the phone. Right. If that. Yeah, if that. It's his garbled monster noises. Well, yeah. that's why you have to you have to rent it and put the uh, <laughs> captions on because then it makes more sense. I can't believe they captioned those phone calls. That's yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it gets graphic. <laughs> it's very graphic. Well, as was the first just obscene phone call, I was like, Jesus. I think I may have misunderstood something at the end when she's in when the the surviving woman is laying in bed and she's passed out and the cops are standing around her bed and they're talking about her. Somebody says, Did anybody call Patrick so and so? And somebody else said, No, who's that? And they said, That's Pete's boyfriend. No, no. It was right? no. It was no. um um, it was Phil's boyfriend. Phil, short for, I guess, Phyllis or Philomena, was played by Andrea Martin. Oh, and, oh. And this guy they're referencing was the guy who played Santa. The guy who, by the way, when he's playing Santa with a bunch of kids, is saying, ho, 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 fuck. <laughs> well, that's the least of that party's problems. Mario Kidder's <laughs> feeding a kid wine. That's true. Pouring it right down his throat. Mario Kidder's a fucking mess in this movie. I mean, <laughs> I guess it was foreshadowing, but... yeah. She's a great mess, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I loved her. <laughs> she wasn't acting. What did that line mean? Her famous, like, mean line. I don't even get that. Which like, one? Can't... one? She said, you can't rape a townie. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Because they're I all think... hoes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they're all trash, is basically oh. what it is. <laughs> and what is a townie? It's, it's well, a college town, the people who live in the town and they don't go to school there. So then, what are the what's what is she? If she's not a townie, she's a she's a student at the co-ed college. Student. Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. she's high class because she's going gotcha. to school. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that was real progressive. I mean, she, she was uh, yeah. She had quite the mouth on her, which I appreciated. <laughs> but at first, I was like, "Why is this fucking? Why are they hanging out with this old middle-aged alcoholic lady?" I guess, like you said, and it was eventually. Uh, said outright she is the house mother, but I was like, that's a thing? That was still a thing? Sororities yeah. have house mothers? I don't even I'm, understand. I'm, I, haven't you seen that movie with Reese... Oh, no, Anna Faris? I think it still happens. No, The House Bunny? I have not seen it. I know you I recommended you it. You should see it. The House Bunny is a great movie, and you should see it immediately. Are you serious, or are you kidding? Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> is it about rabbits? No, it's about a house mother who used to be a, a Playboy Playmate. Play, Playboy Playmate. Oh. That sounds right up Michael's alley. Yeah, I can't wait. I love it. <laughs> we should watch Black Scrooge. <laughs> that 70s exploitation movie? <laughs> yeah. Richard Roundtree plays Scrooge, finally. Why is this movie called Black Christmas? Well, I guess it's black because, I mean, there's there's definitely nobody of color in the movie, but it's just black because of all the murder. I'm guessing. Yeah. And it happens around Christmas. Why got to be black? <laughs> hey, it was a different time, man. Yeah. 
they're probably so. actually trying to appeal to a new audience by naming it Black Christmas. One of the titles before it was called Black Christmas was Stop Me, which isn't very good. And one of the titles after it was Black Christmas, they didn't like Black Christmas, was Silent Night, Evil Night. Yeah, I think... They changed it back to Black Christmas. It was was originally released as Silent Night, Evil Night in the States because it was released in Canada first. Um, Which is interesting when you consider that, like, if I read this right, the 2006 remake is called Black Xmas... Because they, I guess they didn't want to um, offend, um, you know, uh, someone who was, they didn't want the word Christ in the title, I suppose. Um, and didn't we see a movie called Silent Night, Deadly Night? Yes, we did. Yes. Yeah. So, so somebody used it later. No, no si- this is Silent Night, Evil Night. Silent yeah. Night, Deadly Night is, so the de- it's a little bit different. Oh, yeah. right. They're, that's, that's they were very completely different. original. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't. I, I don't think. I think it's it's Black Christmas with a C with the C H R I with the remake. I might be wrong, but I, I. You could be very right. When I looked it up, it was Xmas, and I was like, "Why is it that one X?" Maybe it was just some dumb millennials like, again. I should have looked before I spoke. So who's the killer? I don't know. But yeah, that's just. Oh. Because nobody we know. It's just some weirdo. When he first, when he's like talking, he's saying it's. I'm Billy, or he references himself as Billy, right? Which uh-huh. is nobody we've ever met, but I thought it was just... Well, we thought it was the the British woman's boyfriend because he did early on go psycho on a piano. Yeah. Uh, all out of proportion to right. anything. Well, which is why I don't feel bad about him being killed. That piano needed revenge, and she offered it. Yes, for him. That, was, that was good of her. Um, but then also, like, when you said we saw him a little bit in the Margot Kidder when he killed her, mm-hmm. the hair mm-hmm. looked similar. And I, that's why I thought yeah. it was him, too. Although that was the 70s, and I guess, you know. Everybody looked like that. Yeah, that shitty Ugly hairstyle. was the standard. Was, yeah, it really was. To clarify, the poster says Black Xmas, but the I movie's see. name is Black Christmas. And it has Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, who's awesome. Who's good. And Michelle Trachtenberg. Who's also and from Lacey Chabert. And Oliver Hudson, that has an interesting cast for... And Andrea Martin. Is Andrea Martin in the remake, too? Yeah. Does she play the house mother? Yeah. Yeah, she would have to. I love how cartoonish the house mother is in this. In that she looks sort of like Shelley Winters. I thought it was Shelley Winters at first, yeah. (laughs) But do you guys guys realize that the connection between the two movies, that was was, uh, Rosemary Clooney? (gasps) What? And they killed her for real on screen. (laughs) <laughs> I love how like this the 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 prop department thought that it would be believable if they cut the inside of a book in the shape of a bottle so that she could hide her booze inside a book and that she would have spent the time actually cutting out and hollowing out a book exactly in the shape of the one bottle that was in there. I think in, that's actually something you could buy at stores in the 70s is is a bottle hollowed out books. Yeah, for people, you know, for church. Um, I like that she also had a, like she had all signs of all signs of alcoholism with the bottle in her toilet as well. To- like, <laughs> just put it in your pocket, lady. What the fuck? Well, she's hiding it because she's not supposed to be drinking around these kids. <laughs> well, Marco Kidder was was um, following in her footsteps for sure. <laughs> yeah, she had her role model. Uh, she learned by watching her. Did it was kind like kind of like Halloween pretty slow moving for what you consider a slasher movie yeah um, 
But I actually didn't mind that. Like, I feel like they just got more mindless after a while, where it was just, let's just kill as many people as possible. Which they did end up killing everybody in this, basically. They yeah. did. And they just skipped ahead. Like, they didn't show her. Did they show her killing? Or the, did they show the killer killing Andrea Martin? No, no, no. It just they, showed no, they, the they, dead body, right? Yeah, yep. they didn't show. That's that's one of the things that the director talked about. He that in the script it was there was a lot of gore, but he took it out. He thought it would be more effective not to be in it, which I kind of agree with. I I didn't mind that aspect of it that it wasn't super gory. Um, it was creepier that way. Yeah, it was creepy. I agree that it was a creepy movie, like that, especially the end with her being you know left there. Yeah, in the that, house. Was, that was. It was I creepy. Just, I was just like, guys, hey, maybe don't leave her there all by herself well, in bed. It was basically uh, an indictment of uh, massive police incompetence, really. Wasn't this movie? I mean, the whole thing there. Well, the detective was okay, but his little assistant was awful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ash. What was his? I forget his name, but... Probably Ash. Bad. He didn't know uh, what fellatio was. He thought it was just as a phone number. <laughs> yeah, he asked her to spell Which it. Which was... But obviously funny but it was not as funny as the other detective took it to be because that scene was kind of disturbing how much he was laughing i didn't yeah. even know what he was laughing at at first i was like what is this guy yeah problem? i know yeah because yeah. it was like a full two minutes later that he starts laughing it's not even that yeah it's not funny at all it's just, ugh. It's just it, that movie was this that's the kind of thing that i think they didn't think about like whether that would be scary later you know because people people don't do that like i think no offense to millennials, but even I had to learn this. Like when people used to say things like, uh, Oh, Rockwell four, two, five, one, when they said their phone number or whatever. And you'd be like, what does that mean? Why are you saying that name first? Yeah. Because we didn't know, like I didn't have to ever do that. I nope. have to like say the name of an exchange before you, you dial a number. Um, and no, to but have I that... liked that when, when I was a kid, cause ours was NE, it started with NE and that was Northeast. And I was like, I wish we still use that. It's so nice. What? I but never yeah. remember. I only remember oh. it from movies. We never used it. Like when I was, oh, a we kid. didn't either, but I just like there, when I was a kid, there'd be still some like things written out with the letters for, for different sections in the city to represent what the exchange is from. And I thought it was neat. That's so, yeah, I had always, tri- it took me a while to figure out what they were talking about in movies when they're like KL five. Right. Right. And it's, it seems like 74 is kind of late, late in the day for that. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. But I just thought like the fact that a grown man doesn't know the word fellatio was ridiculous. (laughs) I literally knew that word at age eight from the, uh, I had to look it up the musical hair to be honest. And he's a cop, you know, like exactly. you think that a cop has probably heard that word in some aspect. Probably had to write it down at some point. Right. right. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you guys, what's your overall impression of this? It's confusing. I was confused by it. It is confusing. I was surprisingly, I didn't, because I usually hate these kind of movies. I was surprisingly, I, I didn't especially like it, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I didn't hate it either. I kind of feel like it left me with that creepy feeling. Did we talk about Hereditary last time I was on the podcast I don't with think you? So. There's a there's this creepy feeling you get after you watch the movie Hereditary that's like, oh God. Like like when you're alone and the TV's off and it's dark and you're like, Oh oh God. Like that got into my head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I can kind of see how like I just watched this today, but I can already kind of imagine how like that last scene 
with the guy laughing in the attic um, and realizing that she's alone in the house with that guy. It's going to creep into my like dreams tonight or something, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Props for that. It'd be and Bing he, Crosby. And he, coming down. <laughs> I'm going to stab you. I'm 50. <laughs> uh, Look at my boxers. Yeah. My, my bloomers, I think he would call them. <laughs> Come and get it, ladies. <laughs> and then he hit his kids. Yeah, well, yeah with a frying pan. Um, yeah. Was that the story? He hit his kids with a frying pan? Oh, I'm just assuming. Looking uh, at I him. Just... Looking I feel at... like I read that he was just notoriously cheap. I think he like, was I... notoriously cheap as well, yeah. Well, I thought yeah. he beat his kids. He did beat his kids. Oh, he, he did. He was a, reported to have abused his kids. I, I don't know the details, but I think he was definitely cheap. I thought you were saying he was. It, it wasn't that he beat his kids. He was just too cheap to to feed them or something. Oh no! It was like they they had to like they didn't get any of the benefits of being like the children of a rich dude. Yeah. I don't think. Well, his granddaughter got to be Tasha Yar. He can't beat that. Yes, one of the most important characters on television. Yep. Lasted a full season, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he was apparently not cheap with the golfing, but maybe that's what he spent all his money on. Um, all right. So I don't know. Two thumbs sideways. Three thumbs sideways for this one. Yeah, I think that if you watch this in combination with uh, the other great movie we discussed, um, possibly you get a sense watching of the season. Yeah. Which was, you know, Black Scrooge. I think that you would say this was better than Black Scrooge. I love that we're we're referencing an off-air in inside joke. <laughs> Bye, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> One of them is actually on the show. Yeah. <laughs> actually, none of them are on the show. Oh. Oh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, fuck this shit. Let's, uh, move on to recommendations, Asians, Asians, Asians. Michael, you are the guest. Well, I would recommend the book that I read that I was talking about earlier. It's called Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. And it is a great, like, very funny and smart breakdown of what is worth watching at Christmas. And what's, like, all the little trivia and the... It helps you. It helps you look at like the 400 versions of a Christmas Carol, for example, and know which one is worth watching and which one you can skip. Um, of those, I would say, um, don't miss the Vanessa uh, Vanessa Williams version, which is called the Divas Christmas Carol. Um, it's actually pretty good, um, considering how bad they all are. Um, and that's my recommendation. Have yourself a movie, Little Christmas. I don't right. think you actually mentioned that earlier, so maybe you're didn't. hallucinating. But... Yeah, he did. He oh. did. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Also, I was hallucinating earlier. <laughs> Pat? I'm going to recommend a movie I randomly watched last night called Office Christmas Party, which was funnier than it had any right to be. I put it on expected to turn it off, but I laughed all the way through, so I liked it. It has T.J. Miller, who's not the best, but nope. it also has Jason Bateman, who I like a lot, and Olivia Munn, who I like a lot, and Jillian Bell, who I really like, so it's a fun movie. Did anybody get a stapler as a gift? No, that's office space. Did anybody sit on a copier? Yes. Mm. 
It is called We've Office Christmas Party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's the most original movie, but it has funny performances. Also, Sam Richardson from the Char- the Charters is in it. Oh, I like him. You can't. I can't imagine a movie that's how 90 minutes of an Office Christmas Party. I can't even imagine being at an office Christmas party for 90 minutes in real life. So, right. Like um, it's just a real time party. Like here comes the popcorn. <laughs> oh, here's this fucking idiot drunk now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't, I, I like our office Christmas party. <laughs> well, I'll watch this one um, because I know it's on HBO right now. I think. Right. I, I saw it on showtime. Who showtime. Was showtime. So great. I'll watch for it. That sounds great. I'll recommend, man, I haven't been, really into anything lately i will recommend uh schitt's creek christmas special oh i just saw that yeah it's it's nice it's like kind of a throwback type actual christmasy feeling Mm -hmm. um christmas episode but you know uh eugene levy's son is like the best i love every reaction that he has yeah so yeah and it's schitt's creek i it's that like old school kind of funny, like almost like Albert Brooks type type humor, where it's not like super goofy or super uh, meta or anything. It's just, just yeah, it's just, it's just classically moments funny. of ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. It's great. That show started out good, and it's just gotten better. Yeah, I agree. That's good. I watched the first season. And I did keep up. I'll have to go back to it. I really did like the first season too. Yeah, yeah. Check it out and. You can watch all their stuff for free. They have, like, just on online, Pop, you can watch mm-hmm. all the Shit's Creek. So, I mean, it's also on Netflix, but... Anyway, um, all right, that'll do it. Well, thanks, uh, Michael, for coming on. Yeah, yeah, thanks again. Always. Merry Christmas, listeners, or, what you know, Kwanzaa. Uh, well, Hanukkah's over, so, you know, sorry, you're fucked on that count i'm sure your listeners will be sitting under their christmas trees listening to this episode tonight tomorrow with their hair catching fire yeah (laughs) Uh, about drunk what what, what kind of christmas tree do you have where your hair's catching fire (laughs) is it are you like scrooge's time with the candles and you don't do that (laughs) it's a a victorian christmas oh black scrooge's time um, all right, Pat, Which is your, all times. <laughs> do your write uh, to us shit. at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, or complaints. Rate us highly on iTunes and like us on Facebook. But most importantly, tell your friends to listen. Did you say to lick us on Facebook? Is that a thing? Like, yeah, you can poke people. You can lick them now. Yeah, do oh, that. So I was thinking Flushbook. That was something somebody said in, in the movie that we watched, Black Christmas. The guy said he was going to lick. Look at oh yeah, yeah that was charming. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, until <laughs> next time, which we don't even have any idea what we're gonna do. Probably some best of something. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.